Live from Master Closet Studios, you're listening to the only podcast on the internet whose microwave can't seem to keep time. Have y'all noticed the microwave in this new house? Yeah, it's like yeah. 20 minutes off. I like, know, it was so far ahead. I have reset minute. it like three times. I have two, seriously. It keeps skipping ahead. and it's, it's like it's in... The, look, I'm not trying to say that there's a quantum disturbance centered <laughs> on our new house or anything. I just think it's a little weird, okay? So, yeah. It's the Noobs and the Whovian. My name is Austin. I'm the Whovian. These are my sons, Tripp and Corbin. And, and we're, we're the, the Noobs. And this is the podcast that introduces a whole new generation to Doctor Who by watching an episode each week and discussing it from the perspective of a dad who's seen it before. And, and two, two sons, sons who, who haven't. So welcome to episode number 60. It's a classic Who connection covering the second Doctor. Specifically this week, we're going to be looking at and talking about season number two. By watching an episode each week and discussing it from the perspective of a dad who's seen it before. And two sons who haven't. So welcome to episode 138, covering season nine, episode 11, Heaven Sent. The great thing about Heaven Sent, guys, I don't know if y'all noticed this. This is this is what's called a bottle episode. So the cool thing about Heaven Sent is if you've never seen any part of Doctor Who, you can actually jump ahead. There's not like there's not any real spoilers or anything yeah. like that. So I mean, there's a lot of references to last episode with um, yeah. Clara dying and whatnot, but it's not like well, it's not important to the story. Yeah, and, and, and if you've never seen it before. Like, you never even see Clara's face, really. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's like, you don't so even know who she is. The, the cool thing is, you can go you can go watch Season 9, Episode 11, Heaven Sent. Uh, and even if you've never seen anything from the 12th Doctor, if you've never seen the 11th Doctor at all, for whatever reason, you can actually go and watch this episode. Um, and so this is kind of a fun episode to maybe start off with a, with a friend who's never seen it before. Um, and this is actually the first episode of Doctor Who that y'all ever saw. I thought oh, yeah. I only saw... Well, you saw like, ending, <laughs> yeah, so. you were confused. You saw like the yeah, last like, five minutes. What is going on uh, here? But I sat Corbin down and watched this before we ever had the, I think that was kind of the genesis of why we started the podcast. Yeah. Right? Because, mm-hmm. I, I, because I had wanted to do the podcast. Um, and then and, and I, I said, so I said, it. Corbin, you need to sit down and watch this, this episode mm-hmm. with me. I was like, wow, that's it was when cool. we first moved to Dallas. Gosh, what was that like? Uh, five years, four years ago? It was when we first know. got here. And, uh, yeah. and so we said, uh, hey, Corbin, watch this show with me. And then from there is when we kind of said, what if we did this on a regular basis? So yeah. all that to say, this is a great episode to go watch, even if you've never seen anything from Capaldi before. It's a great bottle episode um, that kind of stands alone. It's technically a part one of two, but even yeah. that doesn't really matter. You can, you can sit down and watch this episode. There's no, no real spoilers or anything like that. It's really cool. In fact, this is the one where the doctor does Groundhog Day. The doctor beams into a place he doesn't recognize. He quickly finds that he's all alone, except for a mysterious, slowly moving figure that seems to pursue him throughout the castle. He's not sure where he is, or even when he is, who brought him here, and what they want with him. He does know that he will find his way out, but something strange is happening. The stars are all wrong. It's like he's thousands of years in the future. And there's also clues that he's not the first prisoner to stay here. There's a dry set of clothes waiting for him when he gets out of the water, there's a note scrawled on the ground. It's like someone wants him to find something. Turns out, he's actually been here a long, long time, replaying a loop over and over again, slowly chipping away at a diamond mountain. He finally breaks through after several billion years. He escapes and finds himself somewhere familiar, having come the long way round. I like how we rambled about how this was a bottle episode and all that. 
before we did the recap, even though that's sort of like miscellaneous trivia. It's just, let's do all that well, before I, the recap. I thought that'd be important information for the listeners, just to make okay. sure that they that they yeah. know they, they knew what's going on here and everything. So at any rate, right. um, fun and also like I said, great great opportunity to sit mm-hmm. somebody down who's never seen it before. So, so if you this, just so happen to come on like this episode, that's right. this is the perfect episode to come on. Perfect one. So yeah. this is story number two sixty one, originally airing November twenty eighth, twenty fifteen to 6.19 million viewers. So again, we're kind of on that sort of, you know, the the, the views have been a little bit down. Uh, yeah. This one was written by, of course, Stephen Moffat. Yes. It's, if this is, if spoiler alert, we liked this one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was written by Ten Stephen minutes. Moffat, so mm-hmm. of course we liked it. Yeah. Um, and directed by Rachel Talele. Uh, <laughs> so speaking of miscellaneous trivia there, uh, this is the first time in New Who that only one name appeared in the opening credits. So not only is this a bottle episode, this is what's called a, a one-hander or a single-hander where you, you kind of only had one actor. Mm-hmm. Um, you kind of had Clara there. Um, yeah. But I mean, literally, her part could have been played by a mannequin. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, not really there. Not even a face. Yeah. How would you know? Exactly. Even the veil is... Uh, the, the, the bad guy yeah. is only sort of there i mean it might as well have been you know probably could have been an animatronic for all we know it's right right not a an actual puppet. person obviously an actor there but um but at any rate uh this is basically an episode with just the doctor so you know we've had companion light we've had doctor light this is like doctor only um yeah. so this entire episode is like one giant monologue for um, for the doctor and in, and in that regard it is a single hander because you don't have any dialogue from anywhere else the only other words that are spoken other than the little boy at the very end is on the uh, the only other words are on the chalkboard so they're not even spoken and they're from the doctor's own mind <laughs> you yeah know? so it is entirely the doctor um and i, I saw a quote from uh, peter capaldi that uh said something like um this is this is quintessential Doctor Who. Like, this is the Doctor. And he literally is. That's all it is. So, um, he has, he has the bit, um, the opening bit, uh, in, in the, in the teleporter room where he says, the Doctor will see you now. Did y'all, did y'all catch that? Yeah. Bit? yeah. Um, y'all, uh, the 11th Doctor actually said this. So this is, this is going back a few years, but 11 said this in his first episode. Oh, so there's a tie back where he actually said oh. that to. Oh yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah I remember that. that. Yeah, I can't. I don't. I don't. It was a while ago. It was I don't so long ago. The context, I do not remember. But yeah, and it was it was in the midst of uh, of him uh, getting his outfit together, so you you, you can almost miss it. Um, but he he just blurts. He says, "The doctor will see you now." You know, it's a fun little talk. Oh, yeah, there. I think I do remember that. So at um, at four point five billion years. This is the single longest adventure the Doctor has ever been on. And, and okay. therefore, the single longest episode. Because yep. this is not him traveling four billion years in the future. We've done that. We <laughs> did that all the way back with Nine and Rose. He's you know. been here four billion yes. years. He's spent four and a half billion years uh, in, this, in this single episode. Um, and, uh, oh, <laughs> this, is, this is fun miscellaneous trivia. Um, remember at the, uh, the first time he sees the skull? He picks up the skull off the ground and he says, uh, this must have belonged to one of my predecessors. Mm-hmm. And what he meant was the last prisoner that was here. Mm-hmm. 
And then we find out later on that. It was actually him. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was one of his predecessors. And in that as had much a as double was, meaning yeah. he did not even realize was there. Yeah. And even more so, all right, the actual prop, uh, excuse me, every one of the skull props in this episode was modeled after Capaldi's own head. Seriously? So it's like literally his skull. <laughs> How many of these did they have to make, though? I'm yeah, sure that they made a handful of them, and the rest were like CGI in the background yeah, underwater. Sure. Um, but apparently, so for episodes three and four earlier this season, they did what's called a life cast. Have you ever seen that? Where they like they they cover an actor's head in this like goo kind of stuff, and then when they peel it off, they've got like a, a, a face. An, yeah, like a cast of their head. Right? I've never it's called seen a, it. Oh, it's it's it, it's the creepiest thing to watch because imagine your entire head, like being just covered in basically plaster. Ew. And then they take and then they like peel it off of you. It's like a rubberized yeah. type of thing. They peel it off of you. So they had to do that for one of the earlier episodes of this season. So then they took that. What they do is they take that and then they pour plaster in it and then they can make a cast of your head mm. and make stuff out of it. Um, so they took that and then. Um, have you guys ever seen forensic scientists, uh, for, uh, forensic um, uh, investigators where they'll take like a, a found skull and they'll build it back up to make it uh, approximate what they think the person looked like when they were alive? Oh, yeah. In, like a missing oh. person case? Oh, yeah. Have you ever seen something like that? I've seen that more with like someone, not someone, but scientists will like dig up a skull of an early human. Mm-hmm. Right. And then they'll like yeah. use stuff to try and rebuild it. Yeah, mm-hmm. what it so they, would be exactly. Like. They've done that to like, yeah. Here's what the, what Neanderthal may have looked like based on the mm-hmm. skull. Um, they do it with like murder victims and stuff when all they find is a skeleton and they can't identify the victim. So they did the opposite of that. Oh, <laughs> they took the life cast of his head and pared it down to here's what we think his skull looks like. Wow. Oh, okay. Couldn't they just like X-ray his skull? I was gonna say copy that. <laughs> Like, that would be so much easier. Yeah. You're, you're thinking right where I am. Like, so I work in an office. I work in a dental office where we have a cone beam scanner that will do a three-dimensional scan of your entire skull. And I'm thinking, why didn't they do that and then 3D print it? <laughs> that should have been easy. But they're like, no, we took and we took a life cast and we pared it down. This will like, be so much harder to do. Yeah. <laughs> it must have been cheaper or something, but... I, I, I can't mean, imagine how I the amount of time. Yeah, and you'd have yeah, to pay people to do that. that. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, the, yeah, the amount of, of manpower involved in that. So, um, holy Who cow! Knows? So, uh, guys, Noobs in the Whovian is brought to you by R5 Website Management, where you can get world class hosting, domain registration, and security at a great price. Make sure, as always, make sure that you use the code, uh, the code, the code, <laughs> the code Noobs at checkout for fifteen percent off your entire order. So go to store. R5WebsiteManagement.com. Use the code noobs at checkout when you fill up your basket with all of your internet-y type needs <laughs> and get started on your awesome website today. All right, so our checklist uh, our checklist is very light this week. Because like we said, this is very, this is very uh, out of the normal, right? Mm-hmm. So um, not a lot of our you know typical stuff was going on here. Um, obviously, we had a creature of the week, the veil. Mm-hmm. And uh, the veil, I, I had... I had forgotten, um, not having watched this episode in a while, that uh, this thing is almost entirely uh, just out of the Doctor's own nightmares. And you remember he kind of tells the story about when he was a little boy and an old woman died 
and mm. she was wrapped in a in a in a veil, and there were flies buzzing around because it was a hot day. I don't remember this. When he he this? briefly mentions it at the, early on in the episode. I know that's the thing. It's like such a what? small. It's such a small detail of this episode. Um, I feel like I would remember so. that though. Yeah, we saw the episode a little bit ago. Is just and it's such a small detail in the episode. But right, seriously, and he, and he just he. It's one of the bits where he's just kind of mumbling a two, mm, like kind yeah. of mumbling at the creature. You know how he did that throughout the episode. Yeah. Um, so kind of yeah, where, like he was whispering about whatever the the bird came and sharpened his beak or whatever and stuff, and he was just yeah. It was just, just kind of in the, the poem at the end yeah. or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, so that that was our, our creature of the week. Um, the only real, like, jiggery-pokery thing is something we're going to get to later, so I don't want to... I don't. But basically, his ability to mentally go into the TARDIS in his mind. Yeah, um, yeah, I started cool. to put that here, and then I realized we really need to talk about that. So let's yeah. talk about that in just a minute. Um, who's who, though? Um, I mean, if there's only one character in the episode... We better learn a lot about him, right? Yes. So yeah. this is a this is a great uh, character building, character development, not just of twelve, but just like of the Doctor's entire mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. entire character. So um, first of all, who is the Doctor? Just in general, he was telepathic when he was young. Canon. So yeah, uh, I thought. Uh, did y'all catch that statement that he made? Or he was trying to yeah, talk to the he door. Yeah, he was talking to the door. Yeah. So, uh, and Jared, Jared is going to talk a little bit about this. Um, I, I listened to the segment, and I can't remember everything that he covered, but I do remember him mentioning uh, the doctor talking to the door. So that's fun. Um, let's see. Finally, run out of corner. There's oh oh, when he's 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 uh, trying to get away from the veil, and he says uh, like he goes through a door and he goes around a corner, and then he says, "I finally run out of corridor." There's a life summed up. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> I was like, that's an interesting way of putting it. That especially because he's got that whole speech at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, oh gosh, do y'all remember the speech from the beginning? About the vaguely. moment you're born, something yeah. else oh, is born yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like the metaphor for death or whatever. Yes. yes. Like, and all you have to do is slow down a little too much, pause a little too long, linger in one place a little too long, and it'll catch you. And it's like, well. That kind of explains why the doctor's always running, doesn't he? He thinks if he slows down, death will catch him. So, um, so here he is. So finally, just don't run out stop of, moving, guys. Yeah, and but at, but at this point, he finally ran out of corridor. There's a life. I, I, my note says a lift summed up. That's where I got confused. Uh-huh. A life. There's a life summed up. Uh, yeah, you see. know, elevators. You run out of corridor. Elevators. Yeah, because elevators have corridors now. That's <laughs> that a lift summed up. <laughs> the end of a corridor. That kind of actually works almost on a weird level. Yeah. Um, oh, and so speaking of, of if death catches up to you, the doctor's number one rule of dying, don't. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I guess too. I mean, that's, I a good, that that's a good rule to live by. Number one rule of dying, don't. Rule two, slow down. And again, that gets us into... You but be, if you uh, slow down... Huh? You die. Oh, wait a minute. That's a good point. Mm. Only slow down mentally. Paradox. That didn't seem to work either. Anyways, uh, let's see. He's not scared of hell. It's just heaven for bad people. <laughs> uh, okay. You're what? completely right. Uh, okay. What do you mean he's completely right? What does that mean? <laughs> I'm so confused by this. I mean... That's true, but <laughs> it's, it's not. It's true. Yeah. 
I mean, what does I that mean? mean? Okay, all right, Trent. You put yourself on on the doctor's side here, saying he's right. That's true. Let me hear your explanation for how hell is just heaven for bad people. Let's. All right, here I mean, you go. Lay it out. Lay it on us. If good people like good things and bad people like bad things, <laughs> it's the bad parts. That's what uh, okay. All righty. Boy, I missed that show. Uh, so yeah, I, th- I've heard that kind of thought. I guess where it's like. Uh, you know, like hell is where all my friends are going to be. And so we're just going to go down there and party. And I'm like, I don't think you understand the description um, of what it's supposed to be like. And so. basically every religion, hell is eternal suffering. Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> it's not like going down and sinning a bunch and partying. It's paying for all the sinning you did on earth is kind of the idea, <laughs> if I understand it right. So, uh, so yeah. So the doctor's Maybe not scared of hell because it's just heaven for bad people. And, um, oh, and then he... Um, Oh, I can't remember where he brought this up. He mentions the Brothers Grimm and... For the, some reason. Oh, no, it's because of the story the, at the yeah, end. Yeah, the were, shepherd's yeah. tale was from the Brothers Grimm, but I don't remember... At some point, he says he was on the darts... He was on a darts team with the Brothers Grimm, which did is just one of those... darts back then? I Sure. Why not? <laughs> I mean, did they throw sharp things at a board? I mean, yeah, <laughs> I guess... It's not not hard to imagine. Yeah, sharp, sharp things can be a lot of things other than darts, like I don't know, knives or something. A bird. Uh, There's a lot uh, of things. A bird. <laughs> bird? Sharpen yes. his beak <laughs> after he sharpens his beak on the diamond mountain. You throw him at a board. Is that how that works? Twang. And then one <laughs> second of eternity will have passed. <laughs> and after a million games of darts. One second will have passed. Uh, so, and then we get into, uh, again, it's it's not only just the doctor, but it's the doctor being forced throughout the episode to confess to things. The only mm-hmm. way, when he gets himself cornered, when he's run out of corridor, uh, the only way he can stop the veil is to confess something that he's never confessed before. So the first thing is he he just realized he's actually scared of dying. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. For a guy who has died, um, what, 12 times up to this point? <laughs> yes. Um, you know. You're he, literally out of lives. <laughs> yeah, well, no, no. And then you figure out that you're scared of dying. No, 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 because I, 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 we've, we've pretty well established that, you know, this, this is not the last incarnation of the yeah. Doctor. He's got more coming. But um, we, we have uh, him just being scared of dying. Now, this is not... I, I don't think this is like Tennant talking about his regeneration. I don't I don't think it's quite that. This is him being afraid of dying, not regenerating. Oh, <clears throat> dying. I, I, yeah, I guess. And I don't uh-huh. know why. We don't really address why he's going to die. Do, do we? Like, even when the veil finally gets him. There's something about how, like... Even though he can't regenerate, his body still tries to. But why he doesn't um, just flat out regenerate? Is, yeah, I don't. I don't know. Why was that? Maybe maybe, maybe it was that thing where he didn't want to because he figured it out. So instead of regenerating, he was just going to keep the cycle going. But who knows? Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I guess he would. He would have to. Because I was thinking, wouldn't it be a weird episode to to contemplate if he went ahead and regenerated and then beamed himself in? 
so that he would then meet his last regeneration. So you'd have show like him where he is. And double Doctor just, episode, yeah. And then they just punch the wall forever. And ever. <laughs> yeah, uh, except except that except that he had to burn himself up to power the thing to bring him in. Yeah. So even if he had regenerated, he would have had to have killed himself to to bring himself back or whatever. I don't yeah. know. Anyways. Anywho, he, I guess he would have just run out of regenerations at a certain point. So, um, yeah, I think after four and a half billion years, <laughs> he would have run out of regenerations. <laughs> Even if there's no cap, he would have ran out of. You would think. You would think so. so. Um, let's see. He didn't leave Gallifrey because he was bored. He left because he was scared. So here we have the doctor being mm-hmm. scared twice. This is two of his confessions. He's scared of dying, and uh, he left Gallifrey because he was scared. That's huge. That's huge because up until this point in in the lore of Doctor Who, um, he basically left because, yeah, he stole a TARDIS and took off because he wanted to have fun, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he was bored. He wanted to go explore. Here he says he left because he was scared. And we're going to explore a little bit about that. Wait, um, he left because he was scared. And at the end of this episode, doesn't he go back? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Back on so, yeah. So we're gonna, yeah, we're gonna talk about that next go round. So, which technically he's not supposed to be able to get to Gallifrey, right? Because it's time locked or whatever. Uh, like yeah. That. No. 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 He's been. Remember, he's kind of been piecing it together and figuring that out. So, mm-hmm. um, so at any rate, um, and then uh, just kind of another nod to uh, sort of our arch here. He believes in the hybrid and knows it's real. So that's that's kind of like a shocking confession for him to. Oh, wow. throw out there as well wow. all right so other stuff we noticed um there was okay this was just one of these episodes where we probably should have watched it every single day this week <laughs> yeah and caught more and more details every yeah, single time we, we did have. um mm-hmm. because there's so much going on here and it's one of those it's one of those uh what do they call it a mystery box episode where yeah. you don't know like there's there's a there's a sudden twist and reveal that we didn't really see coming. There were hints dropped along the way. By the way, did either of y'all figure it out before it was revealed? No. Not this time because y'all y'all well, knew what was going on this time. But the well, first I didn't time watch it the first time. Yeah, so. that's true. So, no. Corbin, the first time you were watching it, did you see it coming? Well, the farther and farther into the episode it got, I started to kind of be like, wait a minute. <laughs> hmm. That's a lot of skulls. That's kind of weird. Where okay. did all they come from? But did, did did you put it together that it was him before he told us? I don't really remember. It was a while ago that we watched it. I uh-huh. might have. I might have not. I don't really know. I'll, I'll tell you, the first time I watched it, I mean, I literally didn't get it until he got back to the control room. And you're like, oh. Yeah, I mean, like, he had to spell it out for me. And literally I was like, by That's spelling bird on the floor. And you're like, oh, now I know. Uh, no, no, no. When he went to, when he was explaining that he needed, you know, enough enough power to beam himself back in, and mm-hmm. that it's basically like a 3D printer, and he's stored in the hard drive. I was like, oh, okay, I see what's happening here. Ah. But, um, but yeah, I, I love episodes like that where they just completely blindside you. So then the next time you're watching it, you're looking for all the clues, right? You're looking and you're like, Oh, I see now why they did that and why this happened and that happened. And the other, I see that skull fell in the water. That's why there's like 3 million of them on the ocean floor. That's right. Yeah. 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 So, um, there's, there's little things, there's little question marks throughout the episode that, um, we realize our clues later, but then there's some that it's like, wait a minute, is that an inconsistency? The first thing, and this bugged me, 
Where did the dry suit come from? from I know. Huh? From not the last doctor. Well, the first time. Where you see him from. take the stuff off and then hang his there. But where right? did it the come from clothes. the first time? Yeah. All of it breaks down when you think about the first time. Well, where yeah, did the word to? bird come from? How did he get beamed in here in the first place? How? Where were the dry clothes? How did he figure any of this out on his own the first time? There's a lot so, of weirdness. All right, so there's a couple things. Well, first of all, how did he get beamed in in the first place? He Remember, we saw him. We don't know exactly how or when or why, but he got, or not, sorry. We don't know who or why, but we saw him get beamed out at the end of the last episode. So that's kind of, you know, there was that to be continued, you know, where we, we, we saw him beamed out um, and we knew that we're moving forward in the story arc, but that's all we know. And then, you know, he beams in here. But um, again, the things like the dry suit. Okay, so the dry suit question is simpler than than you would think. And that's why it's like Corbin, you were saying it, it breaks down. It kind of doesn't if you let go of one thing, okay? So Stephen Moffat was asked this question um, in, uh, in an interview, and, and I'll have link in the, in the show notes. Um, he addresses a couple of things. First of all, where did the suit come from? The suit came from, or it's, where did it come from the first time, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, the first suit came from the first doctor to appear there. He got out of the water, took off his clothes, hung them up wet so that they would dry, left that room, and never came back. And just strolled around. And just walked around naked. That's why we didn't start there. (laughs) (laughs) See, that's the thing you have to remember. Um, We start with him after 7,000 years of loops. Remember the first first loop that we witness, he looks up at the stars and says they're 7,000 years off. Yeah. So he's already been there 7,000 years the first time we see him. Right. Yeah. And actually, there's a hint of that because before he beams in at the very beginning, you see the hand hit the ground and then, you know, smoke out or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We don't know whose hand that is until halfway through the episode. So um, Stephen Moffat's answer was, hey, guys, the doctor walked around naked. Get over it. <laughs> OK. So, so the first doctor left his clothes there, stayed naked the whole time. But and then bird? when he. What? What about bird? The doctor writes that on the ground. Uh-huh. Just before disintegrating. Uh huh. What did he know? From? What's wrong with that? How did he know to the write? The first it? doctor wrote it on the ground. Yes, but how did the first doctor know to write "bird" on the ground? Because Why he did he write "bird" out. on the ground? What was that a reference to? The, the poem thing. Right. Scraping his beak under the poem. I keep saying poem. It's not a poem, but it kind of is. Kind of. Oh, is. But yeah, then that was the it would have he made it, it so out. much harder for him to figure this out. When- right. Okay. So here's the thing that reading through some of this stuff, um, in that same interview with Stephen Moffat, he also confirms a, a, uh, a, a, a um, fan theory that the doctor painted the painting of Clara. That ah. some, some previous iteration of the doctor is the one who made the painting. Hmm. And he says that he made the painting and he wrote I am 12 and he wrote bird and he did, you know, the different things that he did as clues to himself. Right. So when he sees the painting, he sees that it's very, very old, almost impossibly old. Mm-hmm. Right. So he is, is giving himself these little hints. And 
part of the thing we have to remember is that this is not a this is not actually a time loop. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So there's episodes of Star Trek that we've talked about and different things like that that involve actual time loops and like, Where well, how do you break out of the time no loop? No time ends. It just keeps loop. I mean, no time is passed. It just keeps. Going over well, no, no, no. I'm talking about time loops where you actually go back in time yeah. and relive it. That's what I'm saying. Okay, no yeah. time is passing forward except for the time within the time loop. Right. So this is not an actual time loop. Yeah. Things reset, but as we see, not everything resets, right? The clothes Wait. stay there. The skulls pile up. But the painting then, stays there. The, didn't you say that every room resets when you leave it? Yeah. Every room resets to the way it was, but when he changes something, it stays. Well, uh-huh. he dug up the grave. And that changed. Right. Right. But what that means is that the dirt went back to where it was. So like uh-huh. when, he, when he painted the painting, that's, that's a whole new thing. Does that make sense? I know. I know. I know. It's a. It's a little bit. It's a yeah, little bit wonky sense, because you can though. say, "Well, the paint should have gone back in the tubes," or you know, like whatever. <laughs> but so, so anything that he does seems to stay, but you know, other things reset. So, the reason I bring up it not being a true time loop is that we make the assumption that every time through the loop is the same amount of time, and it may not have but- been. True, true. I mean, there's no reason that, that he's punching through a 20 foot thick wall of diamonds, he's probably gonna get like a couple extra seconds just from Every walking time. to the rest of oh, the they, thing. Oh, they demonstrated that. But what I mean is, maybe the first loop that he was there, maybe he was there for six months before he, he found room 12. Yeah. And then we happened to watch the shortest one or something like that. Yeah, well, maybe it wasn't even the shortest one. Maybe there were some that were shorter than that one. Maybe there's there was, no. There, he, he just figured just got it out instantly killed, times. and then comes back, and he's like, "Oh, I gotta save the other dude." Well, as long as long as he figures out that he's stuck there in a loop and has to get back to the to the uh, teleportation room to beam himself back in, as long as he does that every time, it doesn't matter how long he's there. But you mean That's to say, true. in four point five billion years, not a single iteration of himself didn't figure apparently not because enough things are the same that he's always going to figure it out yeah because yeah if he ever failed to figure it out he would be dead dead yes because there would be no one there to beam him back in yeah yeah so but then he might have just regenerated so i may have we don't don't know Yeah. yeah so yeah the 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 whole loop thing um Stephen Moffat basically said that, yeah, at a certain point, the doctor realizes that he's been there for a long, long time and leaves himself clues along the way. And then some of those clues just become permanent, like the painting is permanent. It's just sitting there. He doesn't ever move it. It just stays right there, right? And then there's the, there's the um, uh, him writing bird, and then later on, it blows away. So he yeah. has to write it every time, you know, things like that. So, um, so yeah, there's, there's, um, some things that at first almost appear to be inconsistencies. And then when we, mm-hmm. when we really dig into it, it's like, oh no, actually it was kind of, it's kind of consistent the whole time. So, yeah. Which is what we offer. Cause it's not a time loop. It's, it's just, that's right. Yeah. It's not an actual time loop. 
everything doesn't have to happen exactly the same way every time, but because circumstances are the way they are, they will happen mostly the same. Yeah. So, yeah. Put the same person in the same circumstances with the same goal in mind, and they're probably going to go about it the same way. Probably. Probably. So. All right. So other other stuff we noticed. That was a whole lot of time on that. That was <laughs> yeah. That was yeah. almost a can we talk about segment on its own. Um, oh, j- okay. So one one problem that I do have with this episode is how is it that he remembers every loop? Does, Does he? he? Did he not say that at the end? I don't think so. Hmm. No. Okay. All right. Then I may be remembering the future again. He mentions it. Maybe maybe it's in the next episode. He remembers all four and a half billion years. That makes that, no sense. Yeah. Makes what? That makes, makes no, no sense. sense. That makes no sense to me either. Because um, he was stored in the thing. He's not acquiring new memory every time he beams himself in. Yeah, because right. then he, he would was, know exactly why didn't he where... remember it while he was in there. Exactly. Then he would Which remember he where room 12 is. The, he would remember all the The only thing I can think here around. is that um, is that when he when he finally gets out, he discovers that he was in his own confession dial. And so it's kind of this pocket universe type of thing. So maybe once he exited that, it unlocked everything and something about the confession dial itself allowed him to remember it all. But he specifically states later on, he remembers it. So um, so there's arguments to be made about, um, I've read a bunch of articles on which incarnation of the doctor has lived the longest. And, and that was definitely him. Well, if you take that to be true, if you take it to be that he remembers all four and a half billion years, all of those loops, then technically that the twelfth doctor mm-hmm. is over four and a half billion years old. At least. Wait, does that oh. mean that he's not as old as he was? So when he starts uh, the loop, he's what? now gonna be four billion years older when he comes out. Just as far as yeah. knowledge. Yeah. Just as far as excuse me, as far as experience. Of time of, of time passing. So in that sense, in that sense, it it's like Groundhog retroactively. Groundhog's Day mm-hmm. retroactively. Yeah. So on Groundhog's Day, he every morning when he wakes up, he remembers everything he's done. Mm-hmm. The doctor doesn't remember it all until after he's done it all. <laughs> so unfortunately, he does remember four and a half billion years of living the same couple of weeks over and over again. And that's another question that I have, which I, I didn't find an answer to. How long was he in there? Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. How long was each loop? How long was each Like, we've already established they didn't have to be the same length, but like, okay, so let's say the, the, the one full loop that we saw, how long was that? What do you guys think? Probably a couple weeks. I mean, he weeks. said he had, what was it, how many hours? He had like several hours every uh-huh. time he went from one end of the castle to the next. And yeah, and he and obviously tested saw- that multiple times. Yeah, and we saw him do it. Multiple times. Yeah, it seems to me, Trip. I th- I'm with you. It feels like it was a couple of weeks, is what it feels yeah. like to me. Maybe like four or five. Four or five. Yeah. Four point five billion years divided by a couple of weeks is like a lot. Quintillions of doctors. <laughs> yeah. It is quite a lot. Boy, you get to die a lot, don't you? Yeah. Wow. Uh, and then you get to enter the same way by coughing every time. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. That, <laughs> that was. <laughs> <laughs> when they got into the loop montage and that, there was that one moment where they did that like three or four times in a row and I was like okay oh boy um, okay so other stuff we noticed the TARDIS is in room 12 eh eh eh, eh. eh. 
12th doctor uh the story of the uh little shepherd boy this was this was something i noticed in the in the wikia the story of the little shepherd boy is actually written on one of the walls in the castle which one i have no idea (laughs) i didn't go back to try and find it but it was in the miscellaneous trivia notes wait did we see it uh, no, no, no. Apparently it's something that, that, you know, like if you're looking for it, you can, you can see it, but it's not, oh. it doesn't key, it doesn't figure into the episode. Mm. Um, and let's see. Um, oh, I already, I, I think I wrote this twice. Yeah. Some of the clues left by previous versions of the doctor, including I am 12 in the painting of, of Clara, uh, that was confirmed in Dr. Who magazine. All right. Um, so yeah. Can we talk about the storeroom of the mind? The, mm-hmm. the, Interesting. the mental TARDIS? I think this is the Twelfth Doctor's coolest addition to the Hooniverse mythos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Twelfth Doctor, you've done nothing. <laughs> <laughs> he's done nothing. I just said this was the coolest thing he's done. Man, way to it twist is. some words. <laughs> twist some language, man. It is pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, Twelfth Doctor, you suck. Yeah. Um, so this is, uh, you know, this episode was written by Stephen Moffat. Um, Stephen Moffat and Mark Gaddis, we, we've talked about before, are both writers on... Uh, Sherlock, uh, another BBC show, and mm-hmm. um, this is something that they use in Sherlock, where he'll sort of go into a mental, you know, a, a, what do they call it, a mind palace, you know, where he's sort of remembering details and things like that. So it's kind mm-hmm. of something that they pulled in from that show. And <clears throat> for for over fifty years, we've wondered how the Doctor always manages to survive and get out of any situation he finds himself in. Now we know he cheats. <laughs> he totally cheats. Okay. <laughs> he just if that's slows what you want to down. Consider it, then sure. He's what would you consider? Cheating. It? I mean, I don't know. Oh, okay. Using your mind. <laughs> like every second mind. is a minute. So, like, I think that's yeah. about right. Every second is a minute. Does he say so that? He slowed it no, down. No, but that's like 60 times. that seems like what it is. Okay. Well, Does that it, not so seem it, reasonable? It goes. I don't know. I mean, I just don't know where you're getting those numbers, but. I like it, it. It goes back to the whole rule number one: don't die, yeah. <laughs> and then rule two: slow down. And he literally just mentally slows everything down so that he's like free falling down after jumping out of the window, and he takes what ends up being subjectively like several minutes to mm-hmm. figure out what to do. Um, the only criticism that I have of this, I, I love this idea, and and I love the breakdown of stuff. Um, this is the Sherlock part. Remember where he says. Yeah. Uh, the gravity is roughly this, and they flash back to him dropping the flower petals. Mm-hmm. You know, like some mindless action that he was doing earlier. He was actually uh, testing. You know, the the what was it? The the air density, mm-hmm. yeah. and then he dropped the eyepiece cool. to time the the gravity in the in the place, and he could smell salt, so he knew it was near water. You know, and all these little details. Mm. Um, I did think it was kind of goofy that he does all of that. And does all the calculations of mm-hmm. I'm going to hit the water in 0.73 seconds or whatever, so that he knows when to get into the dive position. Yeah, <laughs> like I'm not a diving okay. expert, but couldn't you just like get into the diving position and fall for a little while? Or? I love how like ridiculous this was because you're right. He's like in his own mind space for several minutes as he's free falling and probably plummeting to his death, and in the end, all he does is just like. Sploosh. Like, and just gets all straight and then goes straight into the water. Yoink, does like I just absolutely fell. nothing. Yeah, it's not like he, he suddenly realized, oh, and then there's a, there's a 
something I can grab onto because of some deduction, brilliant deduction, you know, or something like that. It's just now I can dive into the water. Because I'm like, what? Uh, now you can. I see. You're right. Because you didn't know that before. <laughs> you did all these calculations. As if you didn't have 20 seconds of you free falling off of this castle. I just like, oh, oh, I see. Now you now can. You can. <laughs> ah. So, like, I do that's have, helpful. I have questions. I have questions. Um, first of all, does he do this every time? Like, does he do this every time he's, like, you know, got a Dalek pointing a blaster at him or whatever? Or like, he's like, let me slow down. Okay. I'm going to dodge to the left now. Oh, looky there, I survived. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Yeah. Um, the other question I have is, is it always his current slash most recent companion in there with him? Hmm. And, and is they always writing on a chalkboard? I mean, <laughs> yeah. Apparently, they can't talk in his head. They just write on chalkboards or whatever. Yeah, that was that was so it was so weird. Um, and that, does he always do this? Like, does ten or eleven? Uh, not ten. Does ten or eleven go in and do this, and we just don't see We've it just on never screen? Seen it before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, is is Clara unable to face him and slash speak to him because of the recent trauma? And so they're, they're because that does heighten that. It does heighten that even in his own mind, when he is imagining his companion being there, he still can't talk to her. Mm-hmm. Like that's devastating. Hmm. Um, you know, and he kind of does that a couple of times. There's a couple sad of moments. Doctor. Uh, yeah, sad doctor. Sad doctor. There's a couple of moments in the episode where he like reaches out to Clara, you know, like, see Clara? Oh, crap. No Clara. Oh, you're not actually there. Oh, oh sad doctor. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so at any rate, uh, that was that was my questions. Any other any other thoughts on the the TARDIS of the mind? Oh, I had one other question. Is it always his current TARDIS? Oh, yeah. Because we know for production reasons they couldn't all of a sudden yeah. have him show up in the I mean, first uh, Doctor's TARDIS console. I yeah. imagine it's it's not like, oh, I'm ten, but I'm going to be using the twelfth Doctor's TARDIS in my mind. Wait, like, well, I don't mean a future one. I mean a past one. Wait. <laughs> Who knows? You know, you know what would have been neat is if each time in this episode that he came in, it showed a different. It was a, yeah, that it was would a be different awesome. desktop. That'd be awesome. <laughs> um, you know, just like go through some of the favorites. Far and, too expensive <laughs> to actually do, but that'd be pretty. Hilarious. Yeah, that and would be cool. Entirely too much time and money just for me to go. That was neat. <laughs> <So>. Yeah. <laughs> hey guys, I uh, want to remind you that Noobs in the Whovian is brought to you by listeners like you. If you find value in what we do and want to give a little bit of value back, that's all we ask. So make sure that you go over to patreon.com slash noobs and the Whovian and you can become a supporter, a supporting patron of family-friendly independent media today. Ah, after all these years, you think I would know how to say this, but I still can't quite say Independent. Uh, <laughs> well, this time I messed up the word supporting patron. I was like, yeah, I can become a supporter. So that brings us to our classic Who connection. Uh, Jared has chimed in as always. And uh, I'm, he's got a little, uh, a little bit here at the beginning. Um, I, I guess he's referencing uh, a little while back when he was here with us. Um, uh, kind of had our, his second time in the studio. So, um, but I think we had maybe a time delay on when he recorded versus when I recorded. So he's talking about mm-hmm. being live in the studio or something like that. I'm not sure uh, what he was getting at there, but anyway. All right, so let's hear Jared's take on Heaven Sent. Hello, noobs in the Whovian. It's Jared coming to you no longer live from Master Closet Studios. 
but I am live to hard drive up in St. Louis, bringing you your classic Who connections for Heaven Sent. Jumping right into it, let's start with the doctor forming a psychic connection with a door. Okay, well, he's never done that before, especially not in classic Who, but the doctor does have telepathic powers, psychic powers. Of course, we see him using in New Who the psychic paper often, but uh, the second and the third doctors both used their minds to send messages to the Time Lords. Okay, we saw that with the second doctor in the War Games, and we saw that with the third doctor in the series Frontier and Space. Speaking of the second doctor, that was the doctor who first stated that the reason he left Gallifrey was because he was bored. And that was also during the serial, The War Games. That's like I was saying, that, that goes back to that yeah. long-standing yeah. all the way back to the Yeah. So he sets up in that serial that he left Gallifrey because he was bored and wanted to go exploring. We saw a little bit with the 10th Doctor, a little bit more information on that, where he, he's talking about as a eight-year-old on Gallifrey, you look into the open schism and you see the, the raw open fabric of time and space. And he talks about how the master went insane and others uh, run, run away and that he was maybe more of the runaway type. And now, very interesting, <laughs> we get more of a reason for why he left Gallifrey, saying that he wasn't really bored. He was actually afraid, afraid of this prophecy here. Now, let's go back to the third doctor and let's think about that giant wall that he punches through. Punching is not a normal thing that we see for the doctor, all right? He's, he's, he's not Kirk. He's the doctor. <laughs> not much of a puncher. And so does, doesn't resort to his fists right away, usually. We saw some more physicalities in Classic Who, especially the third doctor who is really modeled more after James Bond. And James Bond, of course, yeah, reverted to was. his fists very quickly. <laughs> so the third doctor got into a boxing match with John Andrews in the serial Carnival of Monsters. <laughs> and he claimed in that serial that he learned how to box from John L. Sullivan, who was an 18th century American heavyweight boxing champion. And the doctor, of course, uh, won his boxing match. So if he was trained by this heavyweight champion, heavyweight. he certainly would know how to punch. Still took him uh, multiple millennia or however exactly long he was uh, in that loop there to punch through this wall that's harder than diamonds, but he would know how to punch, and goodness gracious, every time he punched that wall, I thought he was going to just pull his hand back mangled and, and everything. But I, I thought I was going to cry every time he punched that wall. I mean, the first time he did it, I was like, no, no, why? Why? And then, like, everyone was like, do this, doctor. yeah, and then it was like, I'm going to have to watch him keep doing this. When I realized that we were doing the, the loops, I was like, now what you have to do is just bang your head into it. <laughs> I could see how, uh, with that sort of training in his background, he certainly could land a punch that had some oomph behind it. So we've looked at the second and the third Doctors. Let's look at the first five Doctors together in the serial, The Five Doctors. That was the okay. 20th anniversary special, and it features Doctors 1 through 5 all together in, in one story, and we also have, of course, the Master. And in that serial, the Master refers to a skeleton that's in the death zone on Gallifrey. And sorry, that's where I'm going to leave it. I don't want to give any spoilers uh, or any more spoilers 
for this episode away because I think it's a fantastic episode uh, or, or serial, and I think you all should just go watch it yourselves. All but right. going back to that, so the Master refers to the skeleton in the Death Zone on Gallifrey as his predecessor. And so now at this point, that should sound familiar because the Doctor refers to a skull that he finds there uh, as his predecessor. Okay, I was really confused. I thought he was saying that the term the master referred to a skeleton. Oh. Is that what y'all were thinking? No. Oh. <laughs> I, I don't know. He okay. confused me. I don't know. What he's saying know. is, and there was a, a classic episode where the master talked about a skeleton as one of his predecessors. Oh. The same way that the doctor did about the skull. I thought he was oh. saying that the term the master referred to, anyways. I don't think the connection goes any deeper than that, but just interesting that uh, they... They reuse that idea. And uh, now on to the prophecy. Uh, So we've got this prophecy of half Time Lord, half Dalek that's going to destroy Gallifrey. And the Doctor, towards the end of the episode, says the Daleks would never allow anything to be half Dalek, which, of course, we know is true. You know, they, they destroy anything that is or try to destroy anything that is not like them. And so we've seen... A little bit of this uh, happened where the Daleks are destroying some partial Dalek breed or or formation uh, in New Who. We also see it in Classic Who, uh, a serial that I just watched this week, uh, Remembrance of the Daleks. That's with the Seventh Doctor, uh, that we've got two warring factions of Daleks uh, trying to exterminate each other. One faction has broken off That's from awesome. uh, the, the regular Daleks and has actually found a way to mutate themselves even further. But the regular Daleks are seeking them out and trying to destroy them. And Mm. so we we have them coming to Earth, of course, in in the remembrance of the Daleks, uh, and having this battle out on Earth. And so we also see in Revelation of the Daleks and in The Evil of the Daleks, those two serials, uh, we see them, the Daleks, uh, fighting with, other Daleks that have uh, changed form of, of some kind. And finally, we have the Doctor claiming not to be half Time Lord, half Dalek, but half Time Lord, half human. Now, he's yeah. mentioned this before, being half human before. And if I hadn't just recently watched the 1996 Doctor Who TV movie, I might have missed this. I might not have made this connection. Because mm-hmm. the, the line is given in the movie as just sort of this passing line there's no weight given to it and i i it just it, it clicked because of watching both recently so in the 1996 doctor who tv movie the eighth doctor claims to be half human on his mother's side this is bizarre and this okay. maybe when the movie was made may have just been a yeah. uh, slight reference to uh star trek and spock oh, uh, yeah. where uh spock is half human on his mother's side mm-hmm. To me, it's it's too close to be a coincidence. I think they 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 had this little tidbit that they threw in, and they said yes. Uh, you know, Moffat said yes. We can use this. We can build on this. I could be wrong. You make your own decision. Uh, but I think they're connected. But I think it's interesting that here we have uh, saying that he's half human and uh, not once but twice. All right. Well, that's all I've got for you. So I'd like to uh, give this episode a rating. And I just, I loved this. I didn't like Capaldi really until after 
his time was done. I didn't warm up to him all that much. And it's tough coming off of Tennant and Matt Smith, as you guys will see soon enough. It, it, they, they do such a great job. It, it's, it was tough for him to follow, and he was so different from those last two. Um, but it was episodes like this one that once I watched through and looked back, I thought, you know, he's a phenomenal actor. This is a really, really tough uh, episode to do. Yeah. He's all on his own for the most part, and he did a phenomenal job with it. And it's episodes like this that really make Capaldi uh, a, a quality uh, doctor in my mind. So yeah. I'm giving it, it was almost a perfect episode, 9.5. Whoa, doctors oh, wow. jumping Ooh, out nice. of the window unexpectedly. <laughs> and as far as creep level goes, uh, the veil creature was pretty creepy. The flies going everywhere. Man, they really made a point of of uh, showing those flies mm-hmm. and getting the buzzing sound. Yeah. And just that was, uh, yeah. it, you know, yeah. I could just almost smell like oh. it was rotting flesh oh. under, oh. That, uh, oh, no. uh, under the cloak Jared, of the veil creature or something like that. I mean, it was... That was pretty creepy. And, and it's also kind of creepy that, uh, you know, here he is. He's dying over and over and over again and looking at his own skull and and uh, and and there for for ages working through this. That's I mean, that's like, you know, I mean, I just I can't I can't imagine <laughs> being trapped in a loop like that. So, you know, more of a more of a mind creepy than, you know, making the hair on the back of your neck stand up creepy than than just like being grossed out or creeped out or something like that. Uh, But I'm going to go ahead and give it 250 creep levels for that. So thank you, as always, to uh, the TARDIS Wikia and to BritBox for uh, helping me watch through the classic Who episodes uh, so that I can keep up on this and do do some good research. And thank you to Noobs and the Whovian for uh, sticking with me uh, with our last recording sessions for four hours in Master Closet Studios and still wanting to have me on your show. And I look forward to bringing you more Classic Who Connections next time. All right. So, um, yeah, some fun, some fun little uh, uh, parallels there. I find it funny, like um, a few seasons ago, they were making... Um, Donna seemed so high and mighty for being half human and half Time Lord, and they yeah. gave her some edge or something over him. And yeah. now it turns out the Doctor is half human and half Time Lord. Yeah. Wait. So some, then, some Donna was half human, half Time Lord. Yeah, I don't. Wait. Well, half human, half Time Lord, half human. Wait. She wasn't really half Time Lord and half human. I don't remember what it was. She was a meta crisis. It had never happened before. But I, I thought it was yeah. interesting that uh, that Jared was talking about how the Daleks would never let, um, you know, anything that was half Dalek survive. And I was thinking about the Daleks take Manhattan, and we had a half human, half Dalek, and we kind of had mm-hmm. that. Yeah. So is is plus you know, there was those little Dalek like creatures in the catacombs or whatever. Yeah, so I mean the little. Crawly thingy, whatever. <laughs> Sorry for anyone's eardrums that just exploded. <laughs> <laughs> Corbin just bumped his microphone over there. So apologize for that. All right, so overall ratings, guys. Um, Corbin, take it away. What do you got? Uh, I, this was a pretty good episode. Um, I mean, not my favorite, but I did really enjoy it. I think I'm going to give it an 8.5... Uh, Paintings of Clara. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Um, I, yeah, I thought this one was great. Um, I'm going to give it a, a solid nine naked doctors. 
<laughs> Why do you have to remind, remind me of this? <clears throat> um, oh my goodness. Jared gave it 9.5 doctors jumping out the window. Trip, what do you got? I think um, we have a theme here. I gotta say, this was a very solid um, episode. I think it was very good. Um, I'm gonna give it a 9 out of 10 sad doctors. Sad doctors. Oh. Um, yeah, I just I, I think this one is great. It's it reminds me a lot of Groundhog Day, but then there's there's some twist part of it. Um, it's it's time travel without being time travel. You yeah, know, it's, it's like, not really time travel. But. Yeah, yeah, it's not time travel at all. But it kind of feels yeah. like it at the same time, and it's just um, again, I didn't see the the twist coming. It's just fantastic. I love I love every part of it. Um, I love where 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 we came from and we kind of got this bottle show to sort of cleanse the palate before we finish out the season. Um, Mm -hmm. and like I said, technically this is part one of two, but the next, I mean, not really, not in any, any, Mm -hmm. this is part one of two as much as it's also part two of last week's episode. You know I mean? It's like, it's just the ongoing arc. Um, so overall just fantastic creep level. Um, Jared, what did Jared give it? 250. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. So I don't. I don't think Jared was uh, watching the same episode that I was. I'm going to give this a solid 325 out of 500 creep levels. Oh, wow. Um, okay. Then. I'm sorry. The veil is just creepy on I know. so many levels. Um. By the way. By the way. And the, it had some good jump scares as well. Right? Oh yeah. It, it did have some. Well, good it came around the corner like ah. There was out of the ground for some reason. Ah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um. The bit where you could see on the screen the point of view of the veil. Oh my goodness. And at the very yes. beginning, when he's looking at the screen, realizing that something is looking at him and mm-hmm. he's seeing that thing's point of view on the screen, mm-hmm. but he doesn't yet know what it is. I mean, just like so much, just like hinted at creepiness and then mystery, 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 and then creepiness and then mystery, mystery, jump scare. And then, you know, yeah. just like so mm-hmm. much going on. Um, the flies, I, it's very tense the entire episode. Yes, yes, very tense. I yes. don't know what's creepier: the flies buzzing around, or when the flies freeze in midair, and oh you can see goodness. the details of their wings in it's motion. Um, everything about that thing. By the way, I never, ever, 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 ever want to see those creepy, stinking hands wrap around the doctor's <laughs> face like that ever again. I mean, crap. When they just wrap around and you hear the like the sizzle noise yeah. of it like doing whatever it's doing to his skin and soul and him going every single time. It's funny how cloaked um, figures where you can only see their hands can be creepy. Like yeah. Dementors and, yeah. and a lot of other things. I would say th- this thing was even creepier than the Dementors. This thing was creepy. Yeah, the Dementors yeah. weren't made to be just creepy. Just the way They're that it kind of walked evil. around. Yeah. I feel just, like in the movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of the... the the halting, oh. lurching stump, stump, stump of him, of him walking. It's um, almost like he, he was. Walked creepily. It's almost like it was the injured doctor, like yeah, 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 yeah. Himself. Kind of like, Ooh, that would have been creepy if it turned out that was him the whole time. Or, it was like Scooby Doo, like pull the mask yeah, off. Yeah. <laughs> it was that was me. the first oh, of himself. Like the first doctor was there, All right. chasing after him the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> so Corbin, what do you got, man? Um, creep I'm going to give this a 275. All right. I thought this one was pretty creepy. It was the jump scares, the tenseness, and the... I think probably the creepiest part was when 
he can see the thing watching him on the cameras, mm-hmm. but he doesn't know oh. where it is or what it is. Or what it is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so creepy. Trip, what do you got? Uh, I think this one was probably one of the more scarier ones, you know. Not, like, the scariest I've seen. Sure. But it, it's not really scary. It's creepy. Like, I'm not scared that this is going to come into my house and try to eat me at night or anything. I am. What are you? <laughs> oh, I'm scared it's going to come itself? into my house and try and get you. Is <laughs> <laughs> that death itself walking through my house? Yeah. Exactly. Meh. All right, so what, what number did you give it? Did, um, you, did you give it? Uh, 297. 297, awesome. I had a 265, and then when you said the camera, I'm like, nope, 297. <laughs> <laughs> you got to add on a few more points just for that. Awesome. 297. Uh, all right, so we didn't have any uh, crackpot theories this week that I'm aware of. Nobody gave me any notes. Mm-hmm. Any. Uh, um, listener input was uh, was down this week. We, we were a little quiet in the old email inbox. So if you have anything, mm-hmm. make sure you email us at uh, noobsinthehoovian at gmail.com or Facebook message us at facebook.com slash noobsinthehoovian and you can uh, chime in what, what your thoughts were on this episode or the one coming up. Uh, we'd love to include that in this show. Uh, guys, Noobs and the Whovian is a production of Master Closet Studios, where it's always smaller on the inside. Your senior producer is Austin Reason. Our audio engineer is Trip Reason. Corbin Reason is our production editor. And special thanks, as always, to tardis.wikia.com for the trivia and to Jared for the classic Who connection. You can find us, as I just mentioned, at facebook.com slash noobsandthewhovian, uh, noobsandthewhovian.com for full show notes and everything else. Email us at noobsandthewhovian at gmail.com and consider supporting us at patreon.com slash noobs and the whovian please subscribe wherever you found us leave us a rating uh not only a star rating but leave us a review so we can see some words and read them on the show make sure you share us with a friend not because we're a great show but because we watch one until next time my name is austin i'm the whovian these are my sons corbin and trip and And we're we're the the noobs and we will see you next time Um, we had a, a little bit of a snafu there. We kind of, we got through like the bulk of the episode and, uh, we realized we, it, we lost it. I'm not sure exactly yeah. what happened. I think it was recording. Wasn't it Corbin? I, yeah, I mean, it, it was definitely recording. It was recording. It just cut out at some point or something, something messed up. That's and- weird. I, you know, we started off the episode talking about, a, you know, quantum problems in this new house yeah. and the microwave and the weird stuff. I don't know. So Are you sure there hopefully- isn't something wrong with this house? Wasn't there something crapping out with the fan or whatever where it would randomly cut off at the moment? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah so we were have- trying to move in. We'd just mess up. The we've, we've been having stuff. electrical disturbances is what Tripp's saying. <laughs> <laughs> so, so um, at any rate, guys, so I don't know. We're, we're just going to kind of call it here. Um, so we're, we're going to throw this out into the feed um, just to let you know that, um, I don't know, something weird happened. Um, uh, got a little wibbly wobbly around here. So uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll give it a shot next week. So uh, watch watch the feeds. Watch the Facebook feed. Uh, maybe we'll throw a 0.5 uh, update into the feed to let you know. We are going to cover uh, a Classic Who episode and, and sort of redo episode 60. So um, sorry about that again, guys. But uh, sometimes when you're talking about Doctor Who, things get a little wibbly-wobbly and timey-wimey. So, you know, what are you going to do? So okay. until next time, guys, I'm still Austin and I'm still the Whovian. These are my sons, Corbin and Tripp. And, and we're the noobs. And we will see you next time. Goodbye. Big whip. I wish, I wish we had made up some listener input like, 
oh man, I haven't listened to y'all in years, but I fresh from play. That would have been so great. We could have done that, yeah. I thought about really getting elaborate with it and like making up fake news stories, like talk, like referencing, you know, the 2020 election, you know, or stuff like that, you know, but. I was, Boy, I can't believe Donald Trump got elected. Got re-elected. Again? Like, Gonna, seriously? We need it. All right, are we still, are we still I can't believe, believe an Keanu alien. Reeves actually won. I can't believe an Keanu alien. Keanu Reeves, that would have been. <laughs> he would win, you know. Who would have thought Oprah would have beaten Trump in the election? Oh, <laughs>